South Carolina East Highway 72. This is the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco. He is Dave Freeman. We're waiting to hear from Russ Allen, but we're glad you're joining us after Winthrop's 20th consecutive win dating back to last year. Now 15-0 on the year and 12-0 in Big South Conference play. Off to the best start in program history and off to the second best Big South Conference start in school history. It's hard to get to Clinton. Yeah, Clinton, it's, South Carolina. It's not that far from Rock Hill or Charlotte, but it's not easy to get to. And there's not a lot in the city. And it's remote. The school itself is kind of a pretty campus, but the, the city doesn't have a lot in it. But yesterday, we drove from home to Clinton for the first of the two game series, drove back home, came back up to Clinton for day two. Now, let me interrupt for a minute. I love how you say Clinton because it's spelled C-L-I-N-T-O-N. And Dave is like the king of pronunciation. And Clinton is, I think, how you started out saying it when we came here many moons ago. But the locals just say Clinton. Well, when I worked in Hickory, I was told that I said all of the neighboring towns wrong, <laughs> which was problematic right. because they were all sponsors. So it'd be like, stop by the such and such in Cherryville. <laughs> no, no, that's Trivel. Trivel. So basically just swallow all the letters and spit them out at the same time. So uh, for, for the few listeners that maybe remember old time WFNZ, uh, when I first got to WFNZ... Was Don was, working there? Uh, no, Don was at WBT, I think. Oh. Yeah. Um, there was a guy named Hasey, and uh, he was a uh, like a board op. I think he started as an intern working on Mark Packer's show. And uh, But I think he was working with me when, I don't know, anyway, so, you know, I'm from, obviously from Massachusetts, and Lexington and Concord, and Concord is, you know, where the Concord, troops, well, in, in North Carolina, in, in the Charlotte area, it is Concord, so Concord. I remember, I remember saying something about, yeah, I gotta go to the Speedway, right, where's that, in Concord, he's like, son, you're in the South, it's Concord, <laughs> okay, I got it, I think very possibly, and I am a basketball junkie, but very possibly the most fun part of what we do is the people we collect. So I can just say to you, was Don there? Yes. And what we're speaking of is someone that I've never met. <laughs> this is the year of the like the, the newbies, right? At like, the beginning yeah. of the basketball season, Winthrop played in Louisville. Not Louisville, right, Louisville. 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 And they they played UNC Greensboro and Little Rock, and they were scheduled to play some other games. But we watched a lot of the games on TV that were played in the tournament. Right, that's right. And this guy, Don, Don Russell, yes. who we think used to work in Charlotte. Yeah, I think he was at WPT, WPT right. Radio. He Long-time brought, like, host and... DJ, yeah. He broadcast a lot of the games, and I came very enamored with Don. You did. You loved. You loved his style. His stylings. Is what well, I it was, and I think it was very traditional. I mean, he really sounded. You know, I mean, he's an older guy. I think he's in his seventies, but he sounded like kind of that 
you know, 60s, 70s broadcast, you know, FM disc jockey. He sounded like he was 130. Like, polished, though. I mean, he was... Oh, so polished yeah. and clean and yeah. clear. Now, he couldn't see the game. Right. And so, they were in the corner, which was part of the reason why we didn't go. They had a horrible broadcast position, and he's an older guy, and, like, he couldn't see. So he would just be like, you know... Big shot from the wing, and Winthrop goes up seven nothing. And yeah. you know he wouldn't identify the players, right, and right. but but he just seemed like such a, a nice old yes. guy. And as you and I have talked about ad nauseum, I hate people, but I love old people. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't yeah. like just generally you meet someone and like I don't necessarily think the best of them. Yeah. And well, you're a big gambler, so you I mean you love over play the percentages. But, no, no, but what's your what's your oh dear, honk the horn. I honked it when we were 10 yeah. seconds by Well, it. just in case they come in packs. So, there you go. So, it's to set the scene here real quick. We are on a literally two-lane road, one in each direction, no streetlights. Uh, there's trees. We're about to get into the Sumter National Forest. So, this is like prime uh, deer territory. And if you listen to the second part of the podcast, I'm going to play the Winthrop fight song using the horn. <laughs> No, so what's the over-under on, like, is it, like, 55? Like, is it 50 at AARP? Like, when someone becomes a member of AARP, does that mean you like them? Or is it, like, 62, 65, retirement age? Like, what, what's the cutoff? Well, I think it gets older as I get older because I don't like my <laughs> It's a floating peers. line. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, it's like a generational thing. Yeah. Like, I'm 40 and my mom is 70. Right. And I generally like people, like, of her era and older. Yeah, I got you. So, you know, I, I don't... I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not looking good for you. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How old? You're 40 now? I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm you're 40. A man. When did you turn 40? October. Jeez, I missed that. I'm sorry. Yeah, tough break. I missed your... I was at your 30th. You were. Um, so, so we mentioned Don, and you just know what I'm talking about. Right. But at the top of the podcast today... Right. We mentioned Russ. Russ. <laughs> yesterday, we were in Chester doing our digital social media. Now, this was fun before you made a friend yeah. because we were at the Aaron Burr Rock. Yeah, right. So, um, I didn't get a chance to see Hamilton when it was on Broadway or when it started the first uh, national touring production. You did. Um, but because we had... I, actually, I take this back. We, I think we got Disney Plus just so we could see uh, Hamilton when it came out this summer. And, you know, like... Millions and millions of people uh, loved it. I mean, thought it was fantastic. Loved the storytelling, you know, the music. I thought uh, the cast was just phenomenal. How many times have you watched it? Um, I'm not kidding. Probably eight to ten times. Yeah. It's spectacular. Yeah, it's just very well done. But, I mean, I think the the beneficial offshoot of it, even though, uh, you know, some critics would say, well, you know, there are some historical inaccuracies. I think it's drawn a lot of attention to that time period and you know I grew up in Massachusetts in Arlington right outside of Boston on the way to Lexington and Concord um, so I love you know revolutionary history um, in the, the founding of our country uh, has a lot of meaning to me so last year we were trying to figure out where we're going to go now as we mentioned Clinton South Carolina there's really outside the school there's not much there I mean there's not you know there's not like a a train or a train depot or a museum, you know, it's... There's not much of anything. Well, Again, we, we the probably campus could've... is very nice. It's, no, it's very nice. And you know what? I think we probably could have done something more with one of the departments in the school, but that's another story for another day. But as I was researching places along the way, 
Uh, we saw the Chester Transportation Museum, which is right up our alley, for those of you that are long-time listeners of the Bearded Carcast. And I noticed that they have a landmark, and it was called, um, I'm paraphrasing here, Aaron Burr's Rock. And I never knew this part of Aaron Burr's history after he killed Hamilton, but apparently uh, he kind of went out into the what we would call the you know south-southwest, more deer. Um, and uh, there you go, thank you. Um, that's a Brent Redden thing. Um, I think we're good. So, uh, essentially, long story short is, uh, he tried to acquire a bunch of land to, to create a competing country uh, inside the United States, his own republic. And uh, for that, uh, even though he didn't storm the capital, he was found to be treasonous and seditious and all that. So, as the uh, government troops were bringing him back to Washington, D.C., they stopped in uh, Chester, which I think at the time was called Chesterville. And as he got off his horse, he uh, stepped off on this giant rock and then uh, in the ensuing couple of hours afterwards, uh, tried to escape. Uh, he was quickly recaptured and uh, stayed a night at a tavern. And they've, they've, they've kept the bench that he slept on. And then that was it. Um, so when we were trying but to... But that's about, not all. There's more. Yeah. Well, not from Aaron Burr. Not from Aaron Burr. Yeah. So then... Uh, so, uh, And I think this year we've tried to be upbeat and have fun. And so this is a little tongue-in-cheek. I mean, it's kind of a silly thing to do. But we decided, well, we're no. going to visit Aaron Burr's Rock. Um, so we we pull into uh, Chester. We grab a bite to eat at this place called, uh, what was it called? The Cyclone. The Cyclone. Yeah, good burgers. And um, where do you put the salt? Um, but uh, so the, uh, the burgers, uh, I had a burger. Dave had a steak sandwich. So that was pretty good. So we, we eat in the downtown of Chester. And we're trying to figure out where this rock is. And uh, I happen to glance over in front of this uh, old, like, furniture storefront, and I see this, like, sh- like half-beat-up shrub next to this giant rock, and I said, Dave, I think we just found Aaron Burr's rock. We that's right. Yeah, so that's how we found So anyway, so we get our gear out, and we're starting to take pictures, and D- Dave made a good suggestion, like, you got to take a picture with the rock. So we take the picture with the rock. Um, and then I think you mentioned about getting on the rock, and I was reticent about that because I was like, well, I mean, this is a, you know, some sort of artifact. Like, I, I don't know if I should be on the rock. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy comes up from behind us, and he's like, hey, what's going on? Like, how are you guys? He's like, yeah, good. How, uh, how are you? He's like, so what do you guys do? And I uh, said, uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm a broadcaster. Dave's a broadcaster. We're here to do uh, a basketball game. Mike is the friendliest, nicest person in the world. He's going to have a conversation yeah. with this guy. And I'm going, some people I want six feet of distance yeah, from, yeah. give me 10 or 12 on this So, dude. So Dave, and this might be the picture on the uh, the Bearded Carcast on the on the SoundCloud. Uh, Dave basically did the homer into the Ivy at Wrigley Field. Like, just kind of like... Way back. And, uh, Way back. So he's like so what do you guys do and I explained it and he kept asking questions about it and uh, so finally I said well yeah I mean we're on the road to Presbyterian College we're doing a college basketball game Dave does play a play I do color and he goes alright yeah that's great so like what's your full time job <laughs> well no that's kind of it so now I'm getting uncomfortable because now like it's all it's like Dave's not helping me it's all on me well then I asked the question no, no, so he said something about being in, uh, he's like, well, well, I just got back from Turkey, uh, and I have a, like, uh, Lithuanian fiancé. So I said, oh, well, Dave does a lot of international travel. Yes, <laughs> and I said, and what do you do? And then there was stunned silence for 20 seconds. Like, I'm not even sure, yeah. Like, he was very interested in what Mike did, Yeah. sort of interested <laughs> in what I did, what did but... What? 
Well, he buy- mentioned something about buying this like storefront building in Chester, South Carolina. Right, but he was moving back to Turkey or right, something. Right, we were really confused. And he's got and he a has- son in TKK, which is uh, a suburb essentially of Charlotte in Rock Hill. So he took great interest in you. Yeah. We we told the story of Aaron Burr. Yeah, sir. Right. We drove to the game. We mentioned our trip to Chester during the game, right. as we so frequently do. And then we drove home after the game. Went there up one. They had two nice yeah. runs. They they played well. Maybe not spectacular, but right. well. Yeah. I kind of think Presbyterian is good. Their record isn't good, but they've had they got young, four young talent. COVID pauses. Right. Right. Two before the season, two during the season. They just got a guy eligible. They I think some... they've only had one game where everybody eligible has played. Right, exactly. Um, and then... We drove home after the game, and uh, late in the evening, you were doing your prep work for today's game. Yeah, I was just crunching in some new numbers, getting ready for today's game. And you sent me a message via text. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, uh, you know, I hear that the, the uh, I, I look up and I see, you know, I have a message in my inbox. That's weird. So I check out. It says, no, you have a new LinkedIn invitation. Okay, so I open that up, and it's like, hey, great meeting today in Chester. I was like, what? So, yeah, so... uh, And essentially, like... So, basically, he went to, like, Google and figured out who we were. Because we didn't give our names, I don't think. Right. He may have heard our first... So, he basically... And this, I think this is funny. You are incredulous that he was able to do it. I think it's really easy. Like, he probably just typed in Winthrop Radio Broadcast and somehow, you know, came up to a page from Winthrop and it was our names and our pictures. I mean, that's probably right, but it is now the t- the time that he took to do that is a little maybe a little disconcerting, but. right? And he essentially, like, if you look at his LinkedIn profile, works for Vandalay Industries, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like some made up ABC Incorporated, <laughs> right, 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 South by Southeast or something like that in Georgia, right? Yeah. So I mean, I mean but he was a nice enough. I don't want to paint him in a wrong light. He was a nice enough fellow, very nice, very pleasant to talk. Right, but to. he's your friend. He's my friend, yeah. Right. I mean, like I have neighbors. So does that make him like an acquaintance of yours and a friend of mine, or how do we? How do we? I just prefer that? to call Mike's friend. <laughs> he's he's your friend. There are people in our. Neighbor- all right, all right. So we. I don't think we remember his name. So that. So I would say that the. And and this is like our the the center to Chester, right? So the guy that ran the Chester Transportation Museum, he's your friend. Oh yeah, yeah, love that old guy. Very nice. He's your friend. Yeah, Yeah. sure. I mean, but like when I walk the dog, sometimes we see people, and if there are people, there are like two or three in specific that are Bella's friends. I don't necessarily know these people or have a relationship with them, but boy, they really like the dog. Of course, but she doesn't like anybody. No, she doesn't like. Except me. She likes me. Well, yeah. Yeah, she likes you. But you're a dog person. So so anyway, this is the Bearded Cardcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. And that... If you haven't tuned up by now... <laughs> that's the fun of what we do. It's... You go to these games and basketball is fun. And we like broadcasting games. But particularly in a pandemic... Right. It, it's, it's weird with no fans. It's awkward. And the games... I mean, Winthrop's having a spectacular season they've won 20 games in a row but I that's think, insane but I think what you're getting to is like so our broadcast uh, has evolved like obviously when we started in the 06-07 season we knew each other socially but 
you know, we hadn't really worked together. And, and you, was, did, you didn't travel to all the games. Not to all the games. I was doing women's games, and uh, I was doing home games with you until um, there was an issue with some of the TV games. So then I, they, they asked me to do TV, which was a, you know, fantastic break. Thank you, Jack Frost. Um, but, but uh, you know, so we've, we've kind of developed into um, our broadcast is, at, you know, it's equal parts, you know, serious, sincere, you know. It's when very, the game it's needs very to honest. be serious. Yeah, it's very honest. But we also like to um, inject our personalities. And, you know, we've never actually talked about this um, per- pertaining to us, but we have talked about this as a subject. And I think we do this. We try to do this, and I think we do it well. Um, I want people sitting, you know, whether it's in their car or listening. Like, when they listen to us, I want them to feel like they're on a headset sitting right next to us. Yeah. So, so we, we try to – so I think we've kind of built ourselves up. I don't mean as characters per se, but I think people understand our sensibilities and our, our senses of humor and – you know what, how we tick a little bit, and I, and I think that's I think that's what makes our broadcast entertaining. I think I went to, and I think most people would agree, the best broadcasting school in the country at Syracuse, and I think most people, the huge majority of people who graduate from Syracuse and broadcast games professionally, do a competent job. That doesn't mean they are great. That does not mean you like their voice or their style or anything like that. But they generally know how to broadcast a sporting event. But I have often thought, and I'm not talking about Bob Costas, but a lot of people sound sort of cookie cutter. They are excellent at fundamentally telling you who has the ball and where on the court and what the time and the score is and all of the essentials, but they don't have anything that separates them from each other. No pizzazz. Right. And as the years have gone on and as we have gotten more comfortable, I have always been opinionated. I have always had a unique voice. At some point, you get to the point where you are comfortable saying whatever it is you feel like saying. We're paid by Winthrop. We are not going to dog Winthrop and throw Winthrop under the bus. That would be idiotic from a large number of reasons. But if Winthrop's in a really tight game and they've turned the ball over 20 times and I say, Mike, what's the difference going to be in the final four minutes? You may say... Dave, if the Eagles hold on to the ball and execute their offense, they're going to win. Right. That's just fair and truthful. Right. Well, and, and I think that goes back to what we, you know, you know, our, our pledge to people is that we're going to be honest and truthful. Um, I, I think the difference is in, in different types of personalities or different types of broadcasts is we never make it personal. Like, I think sometimes when you listen to, like, um, I would describe it as a Homer broadcast where... You know, it's the we and the us and our shucks and the rough suck. And, blah, blah. and it's like, you know, we're, that's not us. Like, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to tell you what, what we're, we're reporting what we see. Um, and and I also would take this a different, this is actually something I learned from Sean McDonough um, a long, long, long time ago. So, so my background is I came up as a producer. So I essentially learned broadcasting from the nuts and bolts up of doing it. So we have, we come from two different backgrounds, but we've kind of, arrived at the same place yeah absolutely uh, I mean like but I but I think when you're dealing with college kids particularly I, I think you have to be um, you know I, you know fair you, I mean you, look if someone does something wrong it's okay to say I think they would like to have that play back or that's not something they normally do uh, 
you know, professionals, I think, is a little bit different. You can be a little bit more critical. But never do we get personal. And I think that's, uh, I, I think that's a, a mark of per, uh, professionalism, too. I think one of the great lessons for a young broadcaster is if you think a call is incorrect, look at the two coaches. The chances that one of them objects to the call right. is very strong. Right. And you can say the name of that coach doesn't like yeah. the call by Joe exactly. Schmo. Right, right, right. And then you have not said it was a bad call. Right, right. You've said somebody else, a person of authority and substance and importance to the game, doesn't yeah. like the call. I think for young broadcasters, two things you have to guard against is one is becoming a fan or, or, or continuing to be a fan of the sport or the team and not be analytical and take it from a professional side. And I think the second thing is is you have to separate yourself from the staff. And, and what I mean by that is uh, it's very easy to get influenced. Uh, and, I, and it's natural to have relationships. Like, I'm not saying don't be friendly with uh, with players or coaches or things like that. But you, you need to know where, where you know, the, the, the friendship has to have its own space somewhere else. And when you're doing the broadcast, it, you know, it has to be more of a journalistic reporting type relationship and not buddy-buddy. I, mean, I think that's a good way of looking at life. You can live with someone or be best friends with someone. That does not mean that every decision that person makes is a good decision. I mean, I make bad decisions all the time. For someone to blindly assume every decision I make is the right decision would be not living in reality. Yeah. If a point guard has the ball for 30 minutes, not every pass is to the right person. Not every decision is the right one. Right. That doesn't mean you kill them when they make right. a mistake, Correct. but if you throw a pass that is at someone's feet, the accurate way to describe it is the ball was thrown at somebody's feet. Yeah, that's right. Before we move on, and, and there's just a ton to talk about in sports, but Winthrop has won 20 games in a row. It's been 300 and some days yeah. since they've lost a basketball game. And we've talked on a couple of previous episodes about the team is so deep and they kind of have a couple or at least one star who's likely to be the league player of the year. But but what about backing up? The, the last time they won 19 straight games was during a year where they beat Notre Dame in the NCAA yeah. tournament. Yeah. And, and now we're talking about a run very similar to that. You know, there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. Now, style is not one of them. Like, how they played is a lot different. Like, you know, that Winthrop team in 06, 07, I mean, that was kind of more like an 8-9 man rotation and maybe even shorter than that, right? But this team... Uh, you know, 11, maybe 12 deep in, in certain occasions, uh, a high tempo, uh, you, know, you know, that team could shoot threes too, Mike Jenkins uh, particularly, but yet, uh, you know, Terrell Martin and you know, Craig Bradshaw, that, that, that team was like, they were beasts. Um, you know, this team is, has, has a toughness of its own. Um, you know, we talked to the Presbyterian coach before the game, he, he was, like, I saw it on tape, he's like, but until you actually see it in person, you know, how tough and physical. It's probably the toughest and most physical team in the league. That team went 29-5. and five. The five losses were to North Carolina, Wisconsin in overtime, Maryland, Oregon, and Texas A&M. 
but five high majors. They lost those five games. They beat Mississippi State, yep. and they beat Notre Dame. Right. They took Wisconsin to overtime, right? Right, without their starting point guard. Yeah. And they beat Missouri State in the bracket buster, and they beat Old Dominion non-con. And this Winthrop team hasn't played any of those high majors. No. So they haven't had the opportunity to win those games or lose those games. But they beat Little Rock, and they beat Furman, and they beat UNC Greensboro. And, they and all three schools were projected to be at the top or favorites in their leagues. Right. I mean, they don't have the high major wins. They don't have those, right. those two right. right. They didn't beat a Wake Forest or a, you know. Right. right. But they didn't have the opportunity to do either. Exactly. And it, it it feels special. It, it does. When you go to this is the first time since Coach Kelsey has been at Winthrop. I don't know that I've had one minute the entire season where I've thought, I don't think they're going to win this game. Yeah. They've led at halftime in fourteen of fifteen games. Charleston Southern had a three in the air to beat them yeah. in one of the two games at the Buck Dome. Right. They've had a couple of close calls. Now, Campbell was a one-point win, but that game essentially was over. They, it was, they, they got a kind of a garbage three that made it a one-point game. It, it, exactly. I don't know that that was ever a one-possession yeah. game. And Gardner-Webb had them by six at halftime, but they came out of the locker room with their hair on fire right, right. and just were terrific in the second half. And, like, I don't know what's going to happen in the final eight games of the Big South season. Hampton's a team that went to the championship game last year. Radford only has one conference loss. UNC Asheville was picked to finish in the top group of the conference. And even though High Point has had only a kind of a so-so start, I mean, they're coached by Tubby Smith. And, you know, the guy's a Hall of Famer. You, right, you, right. you never know. So they've got eight regular season games left. They're going to be the favorite in all of them. And I don't know if they're going to run the table. I don't even know if it matters mm-hmm. if they run the table. I think you could argue it would be better to lose a game. But it's special regardless. Yeah, I, you know what? I think, I don't know, I think from a seeding perspective, though, you got to win all your games. Yep. Um, you know what? I understand that argument. I, I, I don't know. I know sometimes people think that this, I don't think this year is a good loss. I think in a normal year, I would probably agree with you. Because you could... You would have the opportunity to, to, to win that back. This is to me. This is almost like an NFL uh, or a college football season in the sense of like, you know, if if you're not a Power Five team, one loss is a killer. Right. And I guess uh, someone sent you and I a text message that Joe Lenardi said the best they can be a is 12. a twelve. Right. Well, what's wrong with that? Yeah, we'll take that. I, I mean. You know, over the summer, I really got into the... You kind of got in the nitty-gritty of scheduling. scheduling and yeah. the analytics, and I talked to a lot of people that are really kind of on the forefront of the analytics of scheduling. And while I could bore you with why it's hard to schedule games and the finances involved and the travel, the bottom line is a 16 seed has won a tournament game once. Yeah. 15 seeds win less than 5% of the time, but 14 seeds win first-round tournament games about 15% of the time. And obviously, from that point forward, 13, 12, et cetera, 
the percentages and go once it was an eleven up. in 06, 07. and won a game and won a game. If you told me right now we're ready to start the tournament, there are twelve. Sign me up. Thirteen, I'll take it. Yeah. A fourteen, you got a real freaking chance. Right. But the way the Big South is, you lose one game and the team you're playing against is Ken Palm 311, and it's going to hurt you. I mean, we talked at the beginning of the year about UNC Greensboro or Furman or Little Rock being a seed game. If you start the year in the Big South and you're a 15 seed and you win a a, a good game, a mid-major game, a high-major game, maybe that gets you from a 15 to a 14. You win another, maybe they have to get from a 14 to a 13. Well, go lose to a team at 300. That's going to back you right up. Right. No, no doubt about that. So it it, it matters. And last year, Winthrop was 12-0 in the league. This year, they're 12-0 in the league. Guess what? Last year, they finished 3-3 down the stretch before winning the conference tournament. Now, I think Winthrop would have been 14-15 last year. But the win over a nationally ranked St. Mary's team was very significant. Very helpful, right. Maybe Furman's resume, when it's all said and done, looks like St. Mary's, but I I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. The Bearded Carcast rolls along in upstate South Carolina. We've been everywhere, man. Headed back to Charlotte. Moraga last year. Yeah. in this year. Exactly. We were in Clinton the year before that and the year before that. Well, you weren't. Well, I, I missed you, a couple you, You've trips. dodged Clinton a couple of times. I'm yeah. still sore about that. I big mean, up, as happy I was for the odd reasons why you weren't there, I'm still a little sore at you for not being there. The worst, I think, was when I had to do the solo game to Long uh, Longwood, which is Farmville, Virginia. That was like five hours up and back. Not great. That was not good. That I may have MF'd you on that one a couple of times. It happens. Yeah. I can live with but, it. But it doesn't mean I don't love you. Could have called up Don. Might not have I, been well, we didn't know Don then. Oh. Well, we still don't really know him. I, <laughs> I hate that. NFL is down to the final four. Final four. I told you from early in the year, really liked the Saints and the NFC. Didn't like the Buccaneers at all and was yeah. kind of skeptical on the Packers. Right. How am I looking? Well, you know, but I was kind of with you. I mean, my only affinity for the Tampa Bay was obviously uh, being a Patriots fan from long ago, but... Um, I thought I thought the Saints and the Rams. I thought early on were the teams I liked, but you know you gotta give, at some point you got to give Green Bay credit. Like you know, I think we, we weren't really high on them at all this year. And you know, Matt Lafleur's done a great job there. Aaron Rodgers has been you know steady Eddie. You know, um, you know good wide receivers. You know, the defensively they've kind of held it together. It's it's. I'm surprised that the Saints weren't. I still like the Saints. Turn the ball over four times. You know what? You know what reminds me of is um, this was not said, but this was kind of the sentiment or the feeling. I think it was kind of like when um, 
the uh, I think it was the last playoff game. Uh, John Fox, it, and it was like you know, we picked a bad day to have a bad day. Yeah, and it's sad because it may be Breeze's last game, and yeah. you know I, I've made fun of Brady, the decaying carcass of Tom Brady, and like I didn't think Brady was very good, but he didn't make the critical mistakes, and Breeze did. But I think this is what because every year people say, well, you got to have a great quarterback, and I, and I don't disagree with. I do not disagree with that. But if you look at uh, if you look at some of the guys that have won quarter, uh, Super, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in the game, I think now you can look at maybe the year in a different lens. But just in the game, uh, Trent Dilfer, he's won a he's won a Super Bowl. Um, Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl. Um, you know. I mean, it, no, but those th- are facts. That's no, no, right. No, I know. But then you look at the, I'm trying to I was trying to spit out Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton Manning had like you know half an arm left. Yep. Won a Super Bowl. His defense won the Super Bowl. Yep. I mean, that's the key. I I just I think that's an exception to the rule. Like by and large, the teams that have really good quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and I and I Super totally agree Bowls. with that. I totally agree with that. But I, I guess the point is, everybody can have a bad day. Or, yep. or, or you know, your defense can just shut down a good quarterback. and But conversely, you know, the other team's defense might not shut down your quarterback. Like the Packers or the Bucks? Um, I'm going to go sentiment on this one. I think my uh, heart is uh, with Tampa Bay and my head is with Green Bay. I've been anti-Tampa Bay all year. I'm sticking with it. Maybe I'll be wrong and Brady will go to another Super Bowl. Don't you want to see Gronk in the Super Bowl again? No. I'm tired of I Tom love Brady. Gronk in the, well... AFC? I still think it's Chiefs. I do too. And I like the Chiefs quite a bit. I think Mahomes is going to play. And I think he's going to be terrific. And that's not to say that Buffalo hasn't had a fantastic season. They absolutely No, they're very have. good. Very good. The quarterback uh, has had a terrific year. Uh, they're well coached. And obviously, you know, hearing the Carolinas, people are very familiar with Sean McDermott. You know, obviously in Philadelphia as well. Uh, Brandon Bean's done a good job assembling the personnel. I mean, they're uh, my con- the guy's working on our house, uh, Ryan. He's from upstate New York. He's from Rome, New York. And of course, you know, he's a he's a Bills fan. And I said, I gotta be honest with you. Like, this Bills team to me is kind of like some of the early two thousand Yankee teams, late nineties Yankee teams. Like being a Red Sox fan, I hated the Yankees. But you know, some of those Derek Jeter teams, Barry Williams, you know, uh, Andy Pettit, like they were hard to hate because you know they were good. You know, they're good ball players and they played the game right. And, um, you know, you know, How old is this guy you're talking about? He's probably my age, or not? Maybe he's a little. He's in between the two of us. He's from Rome, New York. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, the public address announcer was named Carl Eilenberg. Right. He was the mayor of Rome, New York. Ah. And that's when, not him. When you're a student at WAER, one of the student radio stations at SU. You're assigned probably every eighth or tenth basketball or football game the generic. Mm. The generic is the halftime feature, right. the Tom Rinaldi feature, oh, right, right. So, the, the five or six right. or eight right. minutes. The dog that survives cancer and gets hit by a car. Right. <laughs> so I think if not every year, every two or three or four years, someone did the Carl Eilenberg ah. feature. Yeah. And the year I did it, 
Did you do the Carl Eisenberg Eilenberg feature? I did do the Carl Eilenberg feature, and that was that, know, Dan sp- Fogelberg. Did he sing that? <laughs> so I would get. I, I went to a game at the Dome and got Nat sound. Yeah. So I, I stuck a microphone. Ooh, so this is like a NPR feature. Total NPR feature. So I would stick a. I stuck a microphone by Carl and like got all of the live reads and you would hear it like bouncing off the yes. concourse. Yeah. So like one of them was. Tees for threes from JetBlue Airways and Promotions Products. JetBlue Airways. It's not the only way to fly, but it should be. And, like, I've heard this generic. I haven't heard it in 20 years. But you edit these things and spend so much time on them. I could almost recite it word for word. Yeah. But the best part of it is I had struck up a relationship with Carl over some time. It's just, he's old, really, yeah, really yeah, old. Yeah, well, that is right up your alley. Former mayor of Rome, New York. Yeah. Hosted a morning show what? on the local radio station for like 25 years. Oh, he bought, a legend. He bought the morning show. He bought, he bought the morning show. He bought the radio station oh. as an investment. Right. And realized that the guy he had bought the radio station from hosted the morning show. He realized this on a Sunday. So Monday he showed up and did the morning show and did it for 20, 30 years. But you you know how you interview people. You interview them at the gym or you interview them. So my great friend and college roommate, Pete Newberger, is now an anesthesiologist in New York City. One day he comes home from class, you know, actually took serious classes, a pre-med guy, (laughs) walks in the front door Carl Eilenberg and I are sitting on the couch at home <laughs> doing the interview. I mean, and, and this is one of those, you know, I interviewed him for like an hour and a half for a five minute feature because I just like old people oh and like God, telling stories. And it was, it was, it was awesome. So that, that's Rome, New York. But to get back to football, as great a job as the GM and the coach have done in Buffalo. The reason the team is really, really good is because Josh Allen has become a great NFL quarterback. And, and, you know, I don't know if he was at Wyoming. People thought he was going to be great. I think there were kind of very, very uh, divergent opinions on him. But the bottom line is he's been been phenomenal. And you want to talk about analytics, they basically never run the ball. They throw the ball on every down, and that's very, very numbers-based. I got to tell you my Joe Garagiola story. So, um, you know, the former announcer, you know, baseball player, a uh, long time, NBC, right? So, yeah. uh, he's coming by, he's, he's plugging something, and uh, I was, you know, news writer at New York at ABC, and uh, the, and I think I had been just doing the news writing piece for a couple of weeks, and uh, basically the news writer was essentially a reporter, like, so if, like, let's say there was a, like a flood in Nebraska, and I was like the overnight guy doing the news writing. I would call, like the sheriff's office in, uh, you know, Lincoln, in Lincoln or wherever, and I'd interview them, and then would cut up that piece, and that's what the news anchors would use for sound. Yep. Um, now, one of the fringe benefits of being in New York City was you'd have celebrities popping in all the time. So, like the uh, we this guy, I mean, this the uh, the the senior editor uh, was like a carbon copy of you, except for news, like. Um, and he, he liked me. We had I'm Dave Friedman, CBS <laughs> News. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, like, he's like, you know what? 
uh, you know, Mike does a good job. He works hard. I'm gonna throw him a bone, right? So Joe Gary Joel comes in, and it was some fluff, fluff type thing, I think. So it's like, just go interview him, ask a couple questions. Right? I've been there with like 15 or 20 minutes with Joe Gary Joel. Right? <laughs> That's and awesome. So, so, uh, you know, so I'm like, I'm, and I'm, and you know me, so this won't be a surprise to you. But like, I over edit stuff, meaning. Um, if we did an inter- a five-minute interview with somebody, I'm going to take, like, every single clip. I'm going to clip out every question and use those. Each- like, I like to have yeah. um, options, right? So I- I'm in there, and I'm, I'm and, and he's like, hey, like, we got other stuff we need you to do. Like, uh, you know, we don't need seven cuts from this interview. They do. <laughs> and frankly, next time, ask him three questions and move <laughs> Get on. Get out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was in the studio, so it's like, you know. Yeah, I mean, how often are you going to yeah, just exactly. run into exactly. exactly. So, quarterbacks. Um, Deshaun Watson might be available. It's I can't fathom that they would trade him, but I mean, I, uh, I, and, and the, we need to alert the listeners, the three of them, <laughs> and Carl. Um, well, I was counting. Oh, Carl, no, uh, <laughs> two listeners. <laughs> we had a and portion Carl. of this particular conversation on the drive home yesterday. We we often start in on something and say, save it for the podcast, save right, it for right, the right, podcast. Right, right, but, right. but we have gone over this material. But Dave, so much has happened in the 24 hours. This will be like fresh for me, so we can, you can continue without the disclaimer. Well, I mean, you met someone in Chester, you became friends, you I know. got a relationship. I mean, that really overtook like, the Deshaun Watson conversation. Deshaun Watson, somehow, I mean, I don't know, and you probably have followed football closer for longer than I have, I can't think of a guy in the prime of his career, one of the top five, six, eight signal callers in the NFL that could be available. Hitting the market in his prime like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Houston, I, I, you've obviously screwed this up mm-hmm. five times already, but by God, if he wants someone to be the coach, and, and it kind of seems like he does have a preferred candidate, you got to hire him. You have to do anything you can to keep the franchise quarterback. Well, because it's easier to move a coach than it is to move a quarterback. Especially what? Deshaun Watson, he's making, what, $40 million a year. I mean, the guy he wants is Eric Bieniemy, who everyone gives a thumbs up to and think is going to be a good coach. I mean, it makes sense on so many levels. Right. right? I mean, he's, he's on a team that wins. He's well-respected. Uh, the Chiefs rave about him. The players rave about him. You know, and um, you know, it's it's unless he's a bad interview, uh, it seems like a home run decision. But they've screwed this up so many times. Not interviewing the GM candidate he wanted. But you not- have to start to wonder though. You know, like everyone kind of thought Bill O'Brien was the problem, and maybe it goes deeper than that. The organization just yeah. seems like a disaster. But but either way. They're either going to keep him, find a way to, to pat him on the back and make him feel appreciated, or they're going to trade him. Yeah. What's he worth? It's and you and I do disagree on this a little bit. Um, I think he's not, not, worth, not far apart. I, I mean, essentially think he's worth anything. Yeah. Like like if you do not have that guy, the top five, top eight quarterback. But there is a, a point of diminishing returns, though. There's a point where if you give up too much, that. You, there's nothing around him that, that can make you win. So True. what's the point in having him? But whether it's the Ricky Williams trade where you trade one entire draft yeah. or it's the Herschel Walker trade where you trade volume of picks, yeah. Herschel Walker and Ricky Williams are running backs. Yeah. This is the most important player on your team. Right. 
But that also has evolved, though. Like, the quarterback wasn't as necessarily considered as important in those days as it is now. True. but like, And the value of running backs has gone down. I mean, I feel like this is the first time the NFL is looking like the NBA. Mm. Players, James Harden, can say, yeah. you got to get me out of here. And teams will pay we go, almost anything to get that guy. Should we go visit The Rock, or should we just keep going? We're in Chester now. Your call. No, we got to go. There was a light. It did seem like they probably <laughs> lighted up at night. There was a light to us. <laughs> the lit up amber. I, I think this. I think you do have to, uh, no pun intended with the Aaron Burr reference. I mean, I think you do have to pay a king's ransom. But I think you have to, it can't be to the point where it, it cripples you down the road. Well, the teams that have the best chance are the ones that have that really good assets. draft picks yeah. right now. Right. I think if you're the Dolphins, you're happy to trade Tua and both of your first-round draft picks this year. And if it takes more than that, I think you look at trading more than that. I think the Jets have, like, four first-round picks in the next three years or two years, a bunch of seconds. I certainly think you trade all of that. But if you're the Panthers or a team that has not a top-five pick, what can you trade and would you trade it? I would. I mean, I think, I, I think what you would have to do in that situation is... You know, obviously, this year's first-round pick, probably ne- well, not probably, definitely nef- next year's first-round pick, and then I think you got to go either a Brian Burns or a DJ Moore or maybe a Curtis Samuel, like, um, and, and probably Teddy Bridgewater because they're going to need a quarterback. Uh, maybe not. I mean, they can they can draft a quarterback. I just I have a very hard time believing one team says I'll give you two ones and a. A, a player that you want, whatever that looks like. And another team doesn't say, I'll give you two ones, a player you want, and a two. And another team says, hell, I'll give you three ones and a player well, I you think, want. Well, I think what's, I, I think you're setting this up, but I, I think what's realistic is teams that are in the Panthers' position are going to be used to, to drive up the price on the teams like the Jets um, that have the assets to go in the Dolphins that have assets to spare. I What team? And the obvious answers are Kansas City doesn't need him, right? right? Seattle doesn't need him. But he would be an improvement for an enormous number of teams. Actually, I tell you the place I think he'd be a great fit. I, I don't think they would spend the money on him salary-wise, and I don't know that they would be able to put together the right package to acquire him, but don't you think he'd fit well in Bill Belichick's system? I mean, I, I, I think he would fit well in anyone's system. He is phenomenal. The question is, what would they be willing to, to pay, right. pay both in draft picks, players on the roster, and then, of course, his salary? He makes a huge, huge. amount of money. So you have to find a way to to fit that within right. your salary cap. Right, right. Yeah. I think it's going to limit. I, I'll be honest with you. I think it's, it limits him to maybe two, three spots, and that's it. I think people, like, if there's interest, they'll find a way. Like, yeah. like yeah. My, my guess, what is your gut that he stays in Houston or that he that gets That sound traded? was Dave uh, hitting the brakes. Well, <laughs> the you know, light. I saw the red light coming. It was turning. I had a notion of going yeah. through, and now, I decided see, this is, not this is scouting. To. Earlier in the day, you, you ran that. It's a very similar situation. Huh. You didn't, you, you, um. You kind of went under that one. This one, you, you kind of went over. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. 
as a player, you don't want to have things that are tells. You don't want to do this. Yeah, but, the, but the light, move. the light hasn't had the time to scout you. They didn't know. Light didn't know. I don't know. You never know who's watching. This you is self scouting, right who's here. Who's listening? Like <laughs> you want to, you want to mix it up. Sometimes you want to, you know, take that aggressive lead and go. Sometimes yeah. you want to take that aggressive lead and bluff. You yeah, want to, you yeah. want to throw off yeah. the we'll, pitcher. We'll stop at this red light. We're not going to run it. No, well, there's a car in front of us. Well, got, well no, there's one beside us, too. You couldn't really get over it. We're back in civilization. we got a Dollar Tree, the shoe show. Not, no relation to Shisha, Is right? having a shoe show civilization? Well, that, we got a Walmart, a yeah, Pizza it, Hut, it there's appear, a McDonald's. It appears the GPS is taking us home a different way. No, this is where we went last night. We drove by the Taco Bell last night? Yeah. Well, what was I doing? Uh, you were probably on your phone talking to Nicole. Maybe. I probably Bojangles, was Waffle House. Dreaming of Chester. You might have been. You would, I think you were still trying to wrap your head over the stranger that we met without and didn't know his name. I think I was just hoping that stranger would reach out to you <laughs> and want to be a lifelong friend. <laughs> All right. Okay. I think we're good. Yeah, that's it. All right. at Outlook.com is how you uh, can reach out to us. If you want to be friends with us, that's fine too. And uh, It's okay with Mike. It's okay with me. Follow along at BeardedCarCast on Twitter and uh, stay tuned. It's going to be uh, a fun rest of January and February coming up. So don't go anywhere, as they say, and thank you for listening. I've been to Pittsburgh, Parkersburg, Gravelburg, Colorado, Ellensburg, Rexburg, Vicksburg, Eldorado, Laramore, Atmore, Havistar, Chattanooga, Chaska, Nebraska, Alaska, Opelika, Baraboo, Waterloo, Kalamazoo, Kansas City, Sioux City, Cedar City, Dodge City, what a pity. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, spare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere